I'd describe it as uh, awe-inspiring. Wrestling Podcast back again for 2019. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, how did you spend New Year's Eve? What did you do? Not what? a damn thing. Not a, Did you watch the ball drop? Uh, I did. I watched the ball drop, sat at the house, had some friends over, that was about it. Yeah, I watched all of New Year's Rock and Eve, which... Let me tell you, after about the first hour and a half of New Year's Rockin' Eve, it gets really old. And then after the ball drops, it goes to complete garbage because they go to these concerts that are pre-taped from Hollywood. And, oh man, I sat through all of them because I just didn't know what else to do. Because right. there's not much else really on television. Right. And I wanted to see, usually it's bad, but this year, for whatever reason, I just felt like it was really really bad. I don't usually knock females for their appearance, and I don't want to come off as sexist here, but yeah. did, did you watch any New Year's Rockin' Eve? Uh, a little bit. Okay, Jenny McCarthy, her yeah. face looks so different that if you had told me that was Jenny McCarthy, I would have been like, no, no, that's some other blonde lady. Yeah. I, I, I don't know who that she, is. She's still hot, but she looks nothing like she used to. Yeah, it's it's very strange. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's still a beautiful woman, oh, of course, gorgeous. but uh, very, very odd. Now, uh, of course, the government is shut down. We're, we're going to keep going. We're not government-funded, so we're going to keep going. And You know why it shut down, right? Well, you Because we missed last week. 
That's true. That's probably there, why. In, in Riot-wise, the, the government has shut down because we missed last week. We didn't get an episode out. and so Yeah, but to be fair, you know, most podcasts took the holidays off anyway, so I was kind of contemplating taking last week off anyway. It's still the first weekend of the new year that we're recording this, so it's not like it's super dated. Right. And it's also a good thing we waited because we had some unfortunate news this week that we wouldn't have been able to talk about had we recorded on time last week. We yeah. would have had it would have been kind of old by the time we got to it. This isn't a political podcast, and I don't have I'm not going to weigh in on on the shutdown and why the government shut down. But one thing that is concerning to me, though, and I'm not going to say who should be paid and who should not be paid, but it does kind of freak me out that TSA agents are not getting paid because these are the people that screen people that get on planes. <laughs> now, Patrick, I don't know about you, but if I'm doing a job and I'm not being paid for it. I'm not going to give a fuck. I'm not going to be putting much of an effort into the screening <laughs> process. I'm just going to say, yeah, it looks good to me. Go ahead, get on the plane. Yep, you're, you're good. Go ahead, get on the plane. That's fine. You, you too? Yeah. Oh, Mr. Bin Laden? That's fine. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Go right. ahead. Just bored. That's just very concerning to me. The yeah. rest of it, closing down the parks and all that, I feel for those people. I hate that you know they're furloughed or they're not getting paid, but it's just scary because when it starts to impact people people's everyday routines and people that fly all the time which i don't luckily yeah but that's just kind of a, a scary thought that the guy that that's in charge for your safety is eh, he's working for free yeah it's madness that that's allowed yeah that, that we allow that but anyway i digress so we started the year off with terrible terrible news patrick yeah i was devastated because we went to WrestleCon a couple years ago, WrestleMania 33 in Orlando. There are hundreds and hundreds of wrestlers. You met every single one of them, and well, you I got pictures. I'm friends with most, so I caught up with them. But. <laughs> you picked every single one. There was not a wrestler we passed by, Patrick, that you would not just totally stop and be, your jaw was on the floor. Oh my goodness, it's Duke the Dumpster Drozzy. Let me get a picture with him. Let me get an autograph, a shirt. You went all out, every wrestler you came across. Me, on the other hand, I was only there to meet four people. I met. I wanted to meet the guys from OSW Review, which we had went to a thing the night before. Right. And I had already paid to meet them the next day, basically. So yeah. I, I wanted to get my picture, and I did that. And, and you did as well, even though you've never listened to the show. So no. you, were, you were just tagging along for that one. But the only other person that I wanted to meet in the whole building was Mean Gene Okerlund. Yes. And that was the one picture that I wanted. And I wanted to just tell him how much uh, I loved him and how great he was and ask him who put the... I wanted to ask him what everyone asked him about the cigarette in the Royal Rumble in 92 and who was smoking. He doesn't know that. I'm sure I was the millionth person to ask him that. But I remember he liked my WWF shirt that you got me that had all those wrestlers on it. He, He's on there. He is? I believe so. Uh, he had pointed out some of the other people on there. Well, at the time, everyone on that shirt was still alive, so it was a very, it's a very strange shirt yeah. that you picked out. Yeah. Uh, he commented on that, and and you were kind enough to, because I didn't have any cash on me, you you picked up the tab for my Mean Gene Okerlund picture. And unfortunately, though, I took a terrible photo with him. Your photo with him is so much better because I did the, I did the thumbs up thing. I've got to cut that out. It looks <laughs> stupid. And I didn't realize how stupid it looked until I saw when you post on our Facebook page, our Mean Gene pictures. Your picture with him is awesome. You're at a great angle. You've got this weird... 
uh, point thing going on with, with Mean Gene. It's not a direct, you know, finger guns yeah. Mean Gene. You don't have your arm around him like I do, because, like, I just wanted to I just wanted to cuddle with right. Mean Gene. Right, right. He, he was my favorite. And, uh, yeah, he passed away this week at the age of 76. The same day that Super Dave Osborne passed away at the age of 76, and Captain of Captain and Tennille passed away at the age of 76. Super All, Dave Osborne, really? Yeah, who was on WWF TV uh, once Just to promote Just like a some. couple years ago, right? It wasn't No, it was, it was... The clip I found, it was pretty old. I think oh, Gorilla was Monsoon it? was saying, oh, here's Super Dave to talk about his Vegas show coming up. But Oh, no, I thought he was on when they had like the guest man- general managers or whatever. You're, him and John Laurinaitis sound almost the same. Yeah. So I think CM Punk made a reference to Super Dave and might have brought him on. I'm not sure about that, but uh, that was around that time. But yeah, all three... These three celebrities all passed away, same day, all same age. Very strange. That is but strange. To get back to Mean Gene, I just have so much respect for him as a broadcaster. He was my number one guy, more so than the commentators, because I just thought he was the ultimate interviewer. I don't think any wrestling fan will disagree who the greatest interviewer of all time is. I think it's unanimous. I think even with Heenan, as much as I love Heenan as a commentator... As a color commentator, you're going to get some people that say, oh, Jerry Lawler or Jesse the Body Ventura or even Vince or, you know, whoever. There might be some debate amongst that, but there is zero debate in my mind as to who the best backstage interviewer of all time is. And that is Mean Gene Okerlund because and I think it's weird that this week when when all these tributes and everything were coming out and all the videos and it was always... It was always him with the top guys, with Hogan and Macho Man and, and Warrior and Ric Flair and, and top guys. Yeah. Now, the thing with top guys is they're going to be able to work with whoever is holding the microphone. Yeah. I think his real ability shined through with someone like a Bret Hart, who's not a good interviewer, but could lead him in the direction that he needed to go in, or people that do shouty promos like Legion of Doom or... Trying to keep them on track. Nightheart. Nightheart was really bad about just screaming at the top of his lungs, and he would he would con- he would calm him down really well. And also his his facial reactions. He was conducting the interviewer as an impartial uh, judge, and would say, "I don't like what you did out there. That was yeah. not good. What you did," or or he would react in the proper way if he needed to. He would only add to the interview. He was just quintessential. He had a golden voice. He worked tirelessly back when they would have to shoot promos for every single city they were going to. Hours and hours and hours and all those control room segments, all the live interviews he did on the TV tapings. He worked AWA, WWF, WCW. He was a he was in wrestling for the last forty years. A quintessential voice in professional wrestling for forty years throughout all different roles that he was given. He sang the national anthem at the first WrestleMania. He was just a phenomenal performer. He's in commercials. He's in pop culture. Even if you don't know pro wrestling, you know Mean Gene Okerlund. He made the local news. When wrestlers pass away or people involved in wrestling pass away, they rarely make local news. We actually did run a story on Mean Gene Okerlund passing away. So he had a cultural impact. He was recently in a commercial, I think, with uh, 
what's his name? Uh, he's a comedian. Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. Kevin Hart, Mean Gene. I mean, I'm just going to miss him tremendously because there's never been anybody like him, and they don't have their interviewers today do things like that. They're no. not They're not allowed to. They're no. not... They, if they were to give any sort of character, if they were sort of, if they were supposed to react to anything, they would be scolded. They would say, "No, you can't do that. You're just, you're a microphone holder essentially now." Yeah. And that's what depresses me about the loss of Mean Gene is because, even though he wasn't a day-to-day backstage interviewer anymore, he was just, just the best. And I know that we there's ne- there will never be anything like him. And now he's gone and. He was still featured on network specials. He was voicing over stuff. He hosted an international program with Charlie Caruso. He was still involved somewhat in in the product. So it's just sad that 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 that's gone now, and it really bums me out. I, I really started the year off yeah on on the wrong foot for me. He did the uh, the which I love the little shorty uh, like bedtime stories. Yeah, that's and he always he always called that, and it was just great. And well, so, he was the original host of the Legends Roundtable yeah. before uh, they replaced him with Jr. He, I mean, you can countless uh, Confidential, which was a very unique show at the time where they peeled back the curtain of their own product, and he hosted that. He was involved with Tuesday Night Titans and just all those uh, late. Even though that was more of a Lord Alfred Hayes thing, but. Mean Gene, to me, and I've, I've mentioned it on this show before, WCW and all these WWE documentaries about WCW, oh, it was when they brought Hogan in that changed everything. Well, I'm sorry. If they didn't bring Mean Gene in, I don't think they would be... Con- to me, Mean Gene was the foundation of your wrestling company because when I saw him on the screen, it validated to me that you have a professional here. You have yeah. a real announcer, a real... Yeah a real pro that could be doing radio, that could be doing boxing matches. This guy could have done a million things, but he always uh, stuck with wrestling. And he was smooth. He His delivery rarely ever botched. If he botched, he could laugh it off. He he was just phenomenal. And then in working with talent uh, behind the camera, which I've done sometimes, uh, when you have to do multiple takes of something, the talent can be very, very frustrated. There's a very famous video of, like, Bill O'Reilly had to do, like, 50 takes of the same thing, and he loses his mind and just smashes things or whatever. But I've seen there's a a YouTube channel where I saw some Mean Gene promos he had to cut before Nitro, and they would tape them before Nitro, and he would have to redo them over and over again because of an audio snafu or whatever, but he always for the most part, you know, maintained his composure. Called, he, yeah. he, he stuck with it. And just an overall great guy. Yeah. Every Everybody that interacted with him loved him. I never I never hear shoot interviews where they're like, oh, mean Gene, what a jerk, you know. And yeah. he was a lot of fun to be around, too, apparently, because he had three kidney transplants and uh, from drinking all the time with Ric Flair. So out on the town, uh, the man was uh, a, a bit of a party animal. And I just... He was so funny. He was, even when uh, there was a Q&A at that same WrestleCon that we met him at, that I asked him a question, just his response. Uh, I asked him about, I asked him about towards the end of WCW, Vince Russo wanted to have him as like a pervy interviewer with the females. And I said, you know, did that upset you? And he was like, Tori Wilson, Stacey Keebler. <laughs> I loved it. Or <laughs> just like, he was just so great. He, 
he didn't view us. And also, a lot of times at these wrestling conventions, I feel like they're looking down on us or whatever as as marks, and we we are. And but I never got that sense from him. He was very down to earth. It didn't feel like like he was doing us a favor by yeah. being there. That he was just one of one of the guys. Yeah. Um, you sent me a text at eleven fifty. It kind of took me back because I had so much respect and was so close with him um, as it pertains to to Facebook and on his personal page we would send you know private message back and forth and talk about the current product and ideas and everything that we possibly could do and um, it, it was just it was horrific it was very sad and I was uh, I was very when he passed away, it took me a couple hours to figure out what to say, and I put a uh, put a link up there to his personal Facebook page for anyone out there that wants to uh, write their condolences, because his family, I'm sure, will still be monitoring it, and that way you can write your condolences to him. But uh, he just he was a really awesome guy, and he was so fun, and he was funny, and. It didn't matter how old he was. He loved the women, and he loved to, to party, and he was great. And Legends House, I believe, shows that as, as much as anything else when it comes to the network side of it, showing him kind of behind the scenes of how he really was. Yeah, Mean Gene was 76 years old. Apparently, he had a bad fall a few weeks ago, and we've talked about it before, that when older people fall, it's, it's, it's a major, major thing, and sometimes that can... That can lead to, to more, like, infections or whatever. But the official cause of death hasn't been released yet. But he was 76 years old, so... And looked good for a 76-year-old man, yeah. I have to say. Like, even when we saw him in person, I I was shocked that I thought he was older. Because he was always a guy, and again, just like Arn Anderson, a guy that I always thought looked old. But yeah. was not actually that old, so... yeah. I'm going to include a lot of Mean Gene clips in this podcast, just random interviews that I find fascinating. I mean, he was in the ring, Bash at the Beach, 96. He was in the ring with Flair many times. I mean, his Macho Man interviews are probably the most famous just because of who he's working with. And not to mention, a lot of the performers he was working with in the 80s and early 90s were coked out of their minds, so you're also dealing with somebody who's not thinking clearly either and, and able to get gold out of them. WrestleMania 3 at the Silver Dome in Pontiac, Michigan. It's a day that I'm certain my guest at this time will not forget. I'm talking about the former Intercontinental Champion of the World, Macho Man nothing Randy. Means nothing. 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 nothing means nothing. Nothing means nothing. Nothing means nothing. What do you Ooh, mean by that? More. I'm talking about all the way to the top, yeah. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. But the cream will rise to the top, oh yeah. Macho Madness, yeah, has got more to offer than President Jack Tunney thinks that I got. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you something right now. Cards stacked against the Macho Man Randy Savage in WrestleMania 3. Yeah, let me say it, yeah. Let me say it out loud. And let me point to the president of the World Wrestling Federation the Macho Man Randy Savage is not happy with your decision, yeah. I am the cream in the World Wrestling Federation. 
Federation. Wait, wait a minute, Brent. There is no doubt about it. Yeah, you mean Gene Okerlund. You know that I'm the cream of the crop. Oh, wait, wait a minute, though, Randy. I've got to ask you very seriously. Do you blame Mr. Jack Tunney, the distinguished president of the World Wrestling Federation, for Ricky Steamboat being the Intercontinental Champion today? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Outside interference here. Yeah. In my moment of glory. Yeah, no, I'm living in a nightmare. And I am the cream. And now, not only the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship belt must fall, but the World Heavyweight Championship belt. Because Hulk Hogan, yeah, I am the cream, yeah. The cream of the crop. And there is no one that does it better than the Macho Man Randy Savage. On balance, off balance, doesn't matter. I'm better than you are, yeah. And I'm talking to everyone in the World Wrestling Federation. And I'm even talking to President Jack Tunney, yeah. I'm on my way. And nothing is gonna stop me. Nothing's gonna stop me. You know, just out of curiosity, Randy and I certainly don't want to diminish your tremendous uh, God-given talents, but, but I'm very curious. I haven't seen Elizabeth lately. Yeah, she's on the outside of the ring. Does she interfere in matches? Yeah. Nothing. Zero. Yeah. Pure athlete. Yeah. And I've been, uh, yeah, maligned from the top to the bottom. And because I can't handle the macho man Randy Savage, the cream of the crop, nobody does it better. All right, take the snake, Roberts. These people saw what happened this weekend. I saw it. And millions around the world had an opportunity to see what took place. You said it was an accident. Trust me, it was. You said that snake had been devenomized by the lab. Cross my heart and hope to die. That's what I was told. You know, Jake Roberts, do you realize how much anguish you have caused the macho man Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth? The torture that it excited, these... It excited me a little bit, yeah. I thought about it for a long time. You are a sick man, Jake Roberts. Thank you very much. You know, there are many who say that Jack Tunney should have 86'd you for your actions. You should be out of the World Wrestling Federation altogether. You're very fortunate to have an opportunity to meet the Macho Man, Randy Savage, one-on-one -on -one this Tuesday in Texas, and I, for one, can hardly wait. Is that right? That's right. You know, let's start off by saying this. You know, you're trying to cast me as the original sinner. Well, I spoke to God this morning, and he said he doesn't like you. So let's point the finger at somebody else besides me. Let's point the finger at the people that voted for Savage. Let's point the finger at Jack Tunney. Let's point the finger at the World Wrestling Federation. Not at me. You know, when you take a look at everything, the one-on-one -on -one matchup between you and the Macho Man, Randy Savage, all of a sudden now, there is a very interesting hook to all of this. The fact that there will be no reptiles allowed at ringside. And that means no snakes in the bag. You know, it's hard to believe after six years you people haven't caught on yet. The thing in the bag was simply a toy. Something for me to amuse myself with. I've always been the snake you should worry about. And for six years you haven't caught on. It surprises me that anyone, even you, could be that ignorant. You laugh. Yeah, I laugh. 
Because Tuesday in Texas, Elizabeth, you have a ticket. You have a one-way ticket. A one-way ticket, Elizabeth. <laughs> so don't be shy, sweetheart. Let's use it, huh? You show up. A one-way ticket to the other side, if you will. Because this Tuesday in Texas, princess, don't expect the prince to be there to wake you up with a kiss. Because you see, Tuesday in Texas is not the end. It is not the beginning. It's not even the beginning of the end. Yet, the end of the beginning. Fred Hart, did you not say earlier on that you would prefer to wrestle Mr. Perfect over Mr. Hughes, and why? Well, I just wanted to wrestle Mr. Perfect because I have more respect for his you, wrestling You think ability. he's an easier opponent than Mr. Hughes would be? No, that's not what I said. Yeah, that's that's not what I, said. Over I mean, is that what you said? I think no, you I, probably kind of intimated that, well, really. you maybe took it the wrong way. What I meant is that I, that I respect Mr. Perfect's wrestling ability, and I'd like to go in there and have a wrestling Wait, match. Wait, no, you said you said you prefer the endurance as to the size and strength of Mr. Hughes. Is that what you said? No, I didn't. I, well, if, you, if I, you I said that... You think you could have got by Mr. Hughes, what you're saying? No, I, I think very well I could get, a, get past uh, Mr. Hughes. The fact is, and I think I can get past you. But is that the thing what you is, think? I was, uh, gentlemen, you just what I mean? Let, let, let's talk. Hold on, wait a second. Out. Guys, please. Let's talk a couple of analogies. Both of you are second-generation right. wrestlers. Your father, a great one. And, of course, uh, Larry the Axe, a great one. But uh, did the two of them ever meet? I'm very curious. Yeah, they met. My dad beat his dad. Your dad never beat my dad. Hey, I remember oh, SummerSlam, Hart. I owe you. And tonight I'm going to pay back. And don't ever say your dad could beat my dad because he couldn't on his best day. Hey, gentlemen, I want to know well, one thing. Like does this king of the ring... Problem. Just a second, but does this king of the ring mean that much to both of you? Is it going to be a scientific match or you're going to throw the rule book out the window? Let me tell you something. My style has never changed. I'll do what I have to to win because why I am a winner. Okay, Brett? Well, you weren't in SummerSlam. Wait a minute. Are you suggesting... Uh, Look, all I'm saying is the king please. of the ring is the most important thing in the world to me right now, and I am going to win. All right, very good. Like I thank you, okay. uh, gentlemen. Just let me put it this way. May the best man win. Gotcha. Oh, Just like I'm going to get you out in the ring. Just like I'm going to get you out in the ring, Hitman. I'm Mr. Perfect. I am what I say I am, and that's perfect. What you're saying is the mutual admiration, the respect, all of that, the friendship are out the window. Everybody knows this is the king of the ring. It's for the crown. And I'll tell you what, Hitman. All you Canadians are alike, and I'll tell you, very plain and very simple. I'm Mr. Perfect. I owe you for SummerSlam, and tonight you're going to get it, Bret Hart. Mr. Perfect is going to prevail. To me, unfortunately, the way they are choosing to memorialize Gene on Raw is that they're bringing Hogan back. Now, uh, I don't think you need to bring Hogan back for this particular thing. I know he inducted him into the Hall of Fame, and I know, like I said... All the clips that were shown were with Hogan, but like I said, that wasn't as impressive as the work that he did with everyone else to me. Because, yeah. I mean, other than giving Hogan, well, you know something, me and Gene, to always help him start a promo, I don't think it really mattered who Hogan was, was screaming at. And uh, Hogan was enough of a character. And, I mean, they started together back in AWA and, yeah. and were instrumental in Hulkamania. I mean, everyone associates the two, but... To me, I just feel like on Raw, I don't need Hogan to, 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 to preach to me about Mean Gene. I can just see a video package, a 10-bell salute, and that that's good enough. Like, yeah. Um, 
This, this to me is almost just like more of Hogan stealing the spotlight again and again. And it happens all the time. Like when Macho Man went into the Hall of Fame, Hogan is, you know, inducting him. Like, yeah. And that that's the last guy Macho Man would have wanted up there. Yeah. So, I mean, I know that, that Lanny ended up giving the speech, but Hogan doing the... Anyway, it, it's just something I, I have no interest in, and it's unfortunate to me. The the mean gene phrase was coined by... Oh, Jesse Ventura. Yeah, and then which quickly became used by Hogan when Gene Okerlund tagged with him in a match, but uh, it stuck. Mean Gene stuck with him for... The uh, irony being that he's not mean. <laughs> no, he's one of the nicest men you'd ever, you'd ever meet. No, he was he was absolutely phenomenal and an inspiration to me as a broadcaster, and uh, I will miss him every single time I watch one of these old reviews or, or watch even new content and see Mike Rome or Charlie or whoever just standing there and my guest at this time, and you answer your question, I ask you another, and it's just lifeless. Yeah. And he brought so much life to it, yeah. and now he's gone. WrestleMania 9, I mean, as much as he was, as much stuff as he was able to pull pull out, WrestleMania 9, where they cut to him every single match, I think was his shining moment because he got so many interviews in one night. That well, he had some help with uh, Pettengill that year, was his yeah. uh, cohort with the interviews. But, I mean, it was constant reliance on yeah. Eugene. To yeah. help us out, to fill time as well, and yeah. a million Mean Gene pre-tapes because you know they're all going to deliver. And sometimes they would deliver uh, bloopers, like when the sign fell down and he said the f word, and that was uh, that's great, a I, classic. Yeah, with him and Rick Rude, <laughs> just uh, the probably the the quintessential blooper uh, of all time. I mean, Titus O'Neil falling into the uh, ring is is quickly catching up, but uh, Mean Gene being scared by a cardboard sign falling down is, yeah. is is just as funny. Well, I, I really wanted to make the news mainly about Mean Gene this week, but we will mention in passing that All Elite Wrestling is officially a thing. They have formed their company, Cody the Bucks, Hangman Page, a couple of other people. They are going to have a press conference outside of Jacksonville Memorial Stadium where the Jaguars play. And they're going to do it the same night SmackDown is in town, so we will have to see what kind of surprises they have in store. Yeah. We're also coming off the heels of Wrestle Kingdom, where Cody lost his uh, belt, so he's probably done with New Japan. And also Kenny Omega only had a six-month title reign as IWGP champion. He was defeated as well, which leads to speculation of where will he go. Will he go to the WWE, or will he stick with his friends and stick with the elite and go to all and go to all elite wrestling. We'll just have to wait and see. But my money would say that he's just going to stick with his friends because after the years and years of them wanting to meet him, WWE finally got a hold of him and uh and he j- he finally agreed to have a sit-down interview with uh with Vince this past week and I think Vince, that way Vince is trying to talk him into finally coming to WWE, but I just don't, I don't see a future there for him where I do in uh, All Elite working for Cody. 
and he'll have more of a role in the booking and the production and yeah. uh, a hand in that, whereas he will not if he goes to the WWE. But he will probably be offered a hefty sum of money, so if you want to just cash out... now. Like I said, we've talked about it before. It's like, do you want to be creatively satisfied or do you want to be financially satisfied? Yeah. And that's going to be a decision that he's going to have to make. But, yeah, I would just stick with what's been working. From what's been talked about, no figures have been given, but it is one of the most lucrative deals that that was offered to him that they have ever done in at least in the past 20 years. And the only thing that would also give me an indication that he's probably not going to go in that direction is that AJ Styles' contract is coming up. And if AJ wants to get off the road and be with his family more, uh, a schedule with AEW would probably be much better for him. There's a lot of other guys that the, the standard WWE contract is apparently about three years so you've got guys like uh, the the Bullet Club, uh, Anderson and Gallows, their contracts are coming due. The Revival, their contracts are probably coming due real soon. So you've got a lot of talent that could be entering the talent pool and, and guys you want to work with and guys that you remember working with. And do you want to just – Finn Balor, for example. He, I mean, do you want to just wait and get him back, you know? Do you yeah. want to work with your friends or do you want to just take the money and end up – who knows where the way this company has mismanaged the WWE that is has mismanaged their talent over the last few years. I'd be very hesitant to want to sign up. Yeah. So I don't I don't blame him if he does not. I think we're overhyping AEW as a wrestling community a little bit because they're going to have to secure a major TV deal. That I can't stress that enough and it has to be one that's available on streaming services. We've already talked about Impact leaving Pop. They're going to the Pursuit Channel. The Pursuit Channel's in way less homes than Pop TV. Yeah. They were already doing dismal numbers on Pop TV, and now they're on a channel that even less people have, which leads me to believe that in a year we might not be talking about Impact Wrestling. Uh, Lucha Underground lost a lot of viewers. El Rey, though, was at least on streaming services. You could get it. You had access to it. So... If they go with a WGN America, WGN does not offer streaming services. They need as much exposure as they can get. And there's been some talks, rumors that Time Warner and TNT might be wanting to get back in the wrestling game. Oh, I would love that. Well, it would be a little bit of irony considering that's what put us into the position we're in is that Time Warner said no more wrestling on our networks. So... If that were to happen, yes, we have a major entity. Or if even they get on the Paramount Network, which used to be Spike, which was the home of Impact for many years, that would be a huge deal. If they could pull that off, if AEW could pull that off and put them on on, on you know Paramount or put them on, uh, like you said, on TBS or, or uh, TNT, that would that'd be huge. Yeah, so that's... This all, their success to me, if they are going to be a real rival, if we're going to really get on the hype train here, that's what you're going to, you're going to have to show me, show me the money. Jerry Maguire style, you're going to have to show me the money because you can even get, Ring of Honor has access to all these local TV stations, but they have no production value. They have no talent, their talent roster has been depleted since these guys have left and now and they're only in local markets here and there, spotty, you know. Yeah. They, they, so you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to land 
the big fish in order to, even if they get on a streaming service like Netflix, would be tremendous. Right. It would be It would be something that I don't have to go out of my way to find. Right. Even something like New Japan World, a streaming service that I have to pay for, well, I'm already paying for the WWE Network. I'm already paying for Netflix. I've already got money on this and this. So it's kind of a big ask for me to say, okay, i got to sign up for one more thing. But if you are going to sign up for something, you want to sign up for powerslam.tv and you want to use the promo code retro wrestling because you get a one month trial for absolutely free, Patrick. That's, absolutely. That's the one streaming service I can say you want to sign up for because they have over 4,000 hours of content and you can get a month free using the code retro wrestling. So please go to powerslam.tv. And if you go to our website, retrowrestlingpodcast.com, you will see a convenient link to powerslam.tv and you will have access to your app on your phone and you can cast it to your TV and the world will be a better place Problem if, solved. if you do that. Yeah, it's it's a great thing and uh, I, I would love to see like AEW get a, get hooked up with them and start showing. That would be a fine place for them to start looking. Uh, yeah. Even for archive shows, even if they don't want to give you the week to week, but right. like put the old ones on there. Right. An easy place to start. Powerslam. TV. Now, it's a new year, so naturally, I picked a New Year's-themed show, because it turns out, Patrick, I didn't know if you knew this, but in wrestling, they seem to pair holidays with pay-per-views quite often. I mean, yes. there's a Valentine's Day pay-per-view. December to Dismember. There's a 4th of July-themed pay-per-view. There's Christmas pay-per-views. There's Thanksgiving. I mean, Survivor Series was basically a Thanksgiving-themed pay-per-view for many years. Many years. Uh, Thanksgiving night. It wasn't even a weekend. It was Thanksgiving night. Yeah, so it turns out it's very easy to find a holiday-related pay-per-view. And since we are coming up on New Year's, and we've already done New Year's Revolution 2005, which was the initial one from San Juan, Puerto Rico... I decided, you know what, let's do it again. Let's go. There's only three of them, so let's do another one. And I went with 2006 because the Elimination Chamber was involved, Patrick. The Elimination Chamber featuring two people that I was just shocked when I looked at this card. And I was like, oh my goodness, I have to see this. Because Carlito and Chris Masters were going to be main eventing a pay-per-view yes. for the WWE world title. Now, yes. there are four other competitors, yes. but just the fact that they are included in the Elimination Chamber alone, I said, this is a must-watch. Well, the talent that they're going to be working with just alone in the main event is, is something to be very intrigued by. But it also tells you absolutely 100% these two people will not be winning. But I have to see what they do inside yeah. this chamber. Can they carry their own weight? Right. So we go back to January 8, 2006, 12 years ago. I tried, well, 13 now. We go back to January 8, 2006, 13 years ago, Patrick, almost to the day. Maybe the day I release this, it will be to the day. Albany, New York, the Pepsi Arena. One way to make sure your arena looks full, Patrick, you book an arena that only holds about 11,000 people. And they filled it up, 11,000 people. It's a small arena. It is. That's like the McKenzie Arena. 
All right. Well, they were doing smaller arenas because this was the brand split era, Patrick, where yeah. we had, oh, you want to watch the Raw pay-per-view? Oh, well, you need to shell out $30 for that. And then two weeks later, you need to watch the SmackDown pay-per-view. Oh, then we have the Royal Rumble coming up. You're going to need to shell out some money for that. So they wanted to get uh, about $90 out of you every single month to keep up with both brands. And the, I was the dumb one that did it. Some people did. Yes, he, uh, our friend Brenton re- recalls ordering this pay-per-view as well. Raw being the primary still show in our area as we didn't have SmackDown access very easily. So, so Raw was our brand. The tagline was the Elimination Chamber. Ten tons of steel, two miles of chain. One man left standing. The theme song, which was cut from the network edition, was stricken. By Disturbed, which is my favorite Disturbed song, so they actually picked a song that I like for once. Probably the first time in the history of our show that I've said, I actually really like this song. I usually say, oh, this song is trash. And the sponsor is Specialty Board Games WWE DVD Board Game, Patrick, which don't think many people are playing. Oh, you have one? I do. Oh, you need to bring that by sometime. We need to uh, take a test spin on it. Fire up a review. Now, were the questions really difficult, or were no. they pretty easy? Easy, man. Oh, okay, I figured they'd be very difficult. Actually, no. like, oh, how many times did uh, Mister Perfect hold the Intercontinental Belt, and just stuff like just random stuff right. like that. So it wasn't that hard. No. Okay. It'd good. be like pictures and say. With, name which one is Trish Stratus, A, B, C, or D. That was it? That was it. Wow. It was really simple stuff like that. So, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, I tried to take myself back into January of 2006. I was just so preoccupied with everything else in my life. I was not watching pro wrestling. I was in my first year of college, so I was doing that. I was working at the pizza place uh, every single night, it seemed like. I was. This was before there were rules against part-timers going over a certain amount of hours before you had to give them insurance, which is still a rule to this day that I don't think ever went into effect. But employers are very strict now. If you're part-time, you can't do this. You can't go over 25 hours or whatever. So I was doing that. I was working at Auto Parts Warehouse. And I was pretty much just running myself ragged, and then I was trying to make this girl that I was after fall in love with me. That didn't work out. Uh, but I was just totally consumed with th- these these four things, basically. School, two jobs, girl. That was it. Had no time for pro wrestling, so this was something I did not... I was not aware of. Well, you're better off without the girl. However, <laughs> the auto parts warehouse, once again, we made reference, is where we met. And around, it this, is. around this time, I would say, is where when we met. It would have been the next year. Okay. It would have been 2007, because I worked there. Our boss, who you were related to, was kind enough to allow me to work basically part-time. Yeah. I, I could come in and lend a hand uh, during my busy schedule, so that way I wasn't wasn't working all the time. But there were some weeks where I was working 90-hour weeks between... Uh, the two places plus college on top of it. It was nuts. I, by the way, though, it will when you run yourself ragged. It will you will look better as far as weight wise because I was skinny as a rail in 2006. But as far as it probably aged me about 10 years uh, well, overall. 
And a lot of this time you were, I mean, I remember this time I would be like, Hey, come on over or something. You'd be like, I can't, I'll catch you this night or I'll catch you that night or whenever you were just, you were always on the go. Well, and it hasn't really changed that much, except now my jobs are desk jobs. So I don't, I don't get any exercise and that's what's taking a toll on me these days. But back in the day, like I was that auto parts job, we, we, we had those carts and I was, I would, I would run and like ride the carts through the thing. And there was this coworker that, uh, he was gone by the time you got there, but he hated me. He hated my guts for whatever reason. I had nothing to this guy, but he hated that I was so fast and could run and was just going at full speed or whatever. But he despised that because he, he, I believe in my mind, it's my opinion that he faked a back injury and he would go like anytime he just picked up, you know, a, a light bulb, he would go and like just exaggerated grunting like yeah. uh, Lex Luger selling. Uh, so that was where I was at in 2006. So I did not. I did not see this. This was my first viewing of this pay-per-view, so it was... I remember this very well. Um, leading in just into our first match, Ric Flair is beaten to a bloody pulp on the side of the highway. And so, just numerous things. It was very... This was a very relevant pay-per-view. Now, this was almost a year into John Cena's title reign. He had been crowned at WrestleMania 21... And towards the end of 2005, the crowd started turning on John Cena, which I found was strange because to this day, he still gets the Cena sucks chance. But now it's more of a when Angle comes out, you suck. It's more of terms of endearment rather than actual criticism. He actually, in this match tonight, he was not a very good wrestler. So I think some of that criticism was well-deserved. But he did lose his edge, not no pun intended. He did lose a bit of his edge when he went to be a babyface from uh, the Chang Gang, from the Thugonomics, from the Doctor of Thugonomics, which, looking back on, was a really cheesy gimmick. But at the time, it just clicked. Dude, I loved it. Yeah, I, I wish he would still do it. I mean, I loved it. Well, and to this day, I think there are people still out there that would love to see a John Cena. He'll run just to see what it would look like. Just Just one. Just one. Just one. Because I know that he was technically a heel at the original as Doctor of Thugonomics, but it was one of those heels you love so much that he's babyface before you know it. He's getting cheered. He you can't hate this. He's coming about talking about he's got a swollen dick and all that, and people are like People are like, oh, that's horrible. I really think he's funny and like yeah, him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's going to come out and do a freestyle rap that's hilarious. Oh, I'm supposed to boo this guy. Yeah. yeah. But he did bring out B-squared, so he did earn some boos from the crowd. So, <laughs> Unfortunately, tonight, for my disappointment, this was when JR was out after his colonoscopy yes. and uh, his surgery. And one of the many times they tried to replace him, because even when he was well and came back, he was put in a backstage role. Vince, every few years, Vince just does not want JR around. And then he says, you know what, I do. And then he brings him back, and then he says, you know what, I don't want JR around. And that, even in 2018, this is happening again, where... Two years ago, when we were at that WrestleMania, oh, it's the triumphant return of JR. His wife had just passed away. He's going to call The Undertaker's last match, as we thought it was. We thought, oh, well, he's going to be back in some form, maybe not week to week on TV, but he's going to be back. No, They used him very, very 
sparingly. Very. And I mean, even at Raw 25, he was maybe a f- five minutes on the show on Raw 25. And so his contract's about to expire. So possibly another All Elite Wrestling signee. Would, that would be great for them. Would be uh, Jim Ross. So tonight we are treated to. And I use the word treated very loosely here as we get Joey Styles, who I didn't think did a bad job. He was, he's commendable. Uh, he does no moves, but when you're in the WWE, they don't want you to call moves. You need to tell stories. you got to tell stories, Patrick. You can't call moves. So he was kind of out of his element, but he still did a commendable job, I thought. And then Coachman, who last year, in 2018, his return was awful. He was the worst part of Raw every week. <laughs> is he even still with the company already? He is. They've moved him to the pre-show panels, which is where they you're cast off to. if you. That's your final destination before you're, that's a, you're that's out a the toe, door. That's a toe-in and a toe-out with the company. Right. So. And we would also get Jerry Lawler, but not for a while, because he had a big match to prepare for, Patrick. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's huge. Massive match. To start out the night, well, we get a promo package telling us about how dangerous the Elimination Chamber is. And who better to weigh in on the Elimination Chamber than people not in it tonight, like Booker T and Chris Benoit and all these other wrestlers that were in the chamber telling us how awful it is or triple h who's not in the chamber match and then we get sound bites from each of the competitors and hilariously chris masters and carlito both have a sound bite where they they're going to start out their new their new year's resolution is to be the wwe champion yeah Uh, wouldn't turn out that way (laughs) we start things off with a intercontinental title match okay Ric Flair should not be opening yes. the show. Okay, well, not only should Ric Flair not be jerking the curtain, so to speak, he should not be the intercontinental champion. I'm sorry. There are some people that that belt just does not belong around the waist of. And 16-time, as they call, world champion Ric Flair, the greatest of all time, the GOAT, the man from the 80s, the, the face of the NWA, the just one of... In my opinion, the greatest overall performer in the history of pro wrestling should not be toting around this worthless intercontinental title. They had lost sight and vision of what this belt was supposed to do. This is supposed to elevate you. This is supposed to make you into the next big thing. And then once you win it, you drop it and you never see it again. And you're in the main event picture for life. That's how it should work. So the fact that he somehow ended up with it, I didn't look to see how he got it to begin with. I'm like, what, this just looks odd. This looks odd. This looks like a man in an ill-fitting suit, so he, to speak. He had a very, he had a very lucrative run with the Intercontinental Title. Well, he did, and it was thanks to Triple H that he even got to wrestle. So in my mind, I was thinking, if I was Ric Flair, and they said, "Would you like to be Intercontinental Champion?" I said, "No, no, absolutely not." But he yeah. was so desperate to get in the ring, whatever it took, yeah. he was going to do it. So they said, well, you want this belt? He said, I, whatever gets me in the ring, pal. Whatever gets me in the ring. Because when he was brought in, it was first as an authority figure, then it was Triple H's manager. They didn't want this man near the ring. No. And even the year before his retirement match, one of the most memorable WrestleMania moments ever, he was on the pre-show tagging with Carlito. So that just tells you that they had no interest, Vince had no interest, interest in anything to do with Ric Flair. Back in 98, when he famously came back to WCW and cut that huge promo on Bischoff, he called Vince, wanted a job in 98. No, got no time for you. Yeah. And so, yeah, they still wanted nothing to do with him, but at least he's in the ring 
doing what he loves. Now, unfortunately, the punishment he would take tonight, totally unnecessary. Like, again, he, this is a guy, wrestling is about doing, making everybody look good around you, which is one yeah. thing Mean Gene did amazingly as an interviewer, yeah. and one thing that Ric Flair and, like, Shawn Michaels, that's why some they're some of the best in-ring performers is because of how they make other people look. And, and Ric Flair tonight went way overboard in my opinion to make edge look like a monster heel which is odd for edge because because edge is not a monster heel he's not a brock lesnar he's not a big show type kane undertaker giant or just somebody or even randy orton someone who's dangerous somebody or triple h somebody who's not you know edge is almost a comedy heel like he's a very he's a dangerous comedy heel and that he's he can beat you and he's a good wrestler yeah but he's not a a killer he's yeah. not he's not but for some reason in this match that was the direction they wanted to yeah. to, to go in for some reason so rick flair is out first the ic champion he is facing mr money in the bank the man been toting the briefcase since last year's wrestlemania as we've always said about this briefcase you gotta cash it in at wrestlemania right patrick they're, yeah. Why not? Because that's the biggest stage of them all, the granddaddy of them all. Why would you cash it in on a random Raw, SmackDown, or a New Year's Revolution? I mean, who would do that? That's craziness. Before the bell rings, Flair is showing off his Intercontinental title, and Edge gets a jump on him. Flair comes back with chops and goes after Lita, but he gets suckered into an Edge clothesline. Edge controls uh, Flair for a bit, but Flair hits an atomic drop. Edge clotheslines him over, but Flair catches him coming with a chop and crotches him in the crowd barrier. Back in the ring, Flair goes up, pokes Edge and Lita in the eyes. And then to my shock, Patrick, Ric Flair jumps off the top turnbuckle. He does not get caught. Instead, he comes off, and all these years, Patrick, what was he going to do off that top turnbuckle? Don't like Sandal. <laughs> yes, he just... <laughs> <laughs> Just a version of a chop, basically, uh, to Edge from the top turnbuckle. He chops Edge knees out from under him, gives him a knee breaker, setting him, you know, got to soften those legs up. Then Lita gets up, talks trash, so Flair yanks her into the ring, puts her in the figure four. Edge, instead of simply walking in and stomping Flair, grabs his Halliburton Money in the Bank briefcase and absolutely smashes Ric Flair's head in, swings for the fences, busts him open the hard way, and right in front of the ref, doesn't care. DQ, 717, Flair is a bloody, bloody mess. And and for good measure, he hops back in the ring and gives him another shot with this thing for no reason whatsoever. Edge and Lita celebrate and leave. And Rick is is God dude that that shot that thing hurt like hell it had to have because he didn't pull it. Oh no. I mean you hear that thing echo. And I mean it's probably not as bad as a steel chair because at least there's some hollowness to a briefcase. Yeah. But boy, jeez, I just a metal briefcase though. To me, this was just violence for the sake of violence. Like this is yeah. stuff that I have no time for. Like this wasn't going to go really anywhere. They had a TLC match a couple weeks later on Raw, so they did have a kind of a blow off to this, but it just didn't do anything for me. And it also made me think that Edge was kind of stupid here because he could have easily just broken up the figure four and gone back to work. And perhaps tonight, uh, spoiler alert, he could have left with two belts 
tonight instead of one. You know how awesome that was. Why not though? I mean, he was that in, would have been historic. He wasn't in danger in this match at all for him to. I mean, his his woman was in danger, but he was never really in in peril. Well, listen, you got to sacrifice a woman at times. Championships mean more. That's true. Well, as Jerry Lawler would say later tonight, something that I just was shocked that Jerry Lawler would say. But anyway, it had to do with women and championship men. But yeah, you have to... That's what managers do. They take yeah. the fall for you to capitalize. Yes. So while she was distracting Flair, if he had been more slick about it or done something else, he could have walked out of here with the IC belt. Yeah. But I did think, why does Edge even want this IC belt? He's got the Money in the Bank briefcase, which in the... Uh, rankings of which do you rather have, you definitely want this more than the IC belt. Because the IC belt at this time and even in 2018 means you're stuck. You are in limbo. You are going to have to be in the mid-card for the foreseeable future. So, I still would like to have left with both. It's just my yeah, personal opinion. exactly. And they've never done that. They've no, never. nobody ever seems to want to do this. Flair, I mean, well, not. Seth Rollins a few years ago managed to get both the uh, WWE and US title for yeah. a very brief period of time. But to walk out in one night, right, champion twice without a unifying because they've done yeah. that where they unified it, right? But that meant one title was retired. Two separate, two an intercontinental and a. World Heavyweight Championship. I mean, Piper had that chance, you know, on a pay-per-view. and There's been so many chances. Well, I mean, Ultimate Warrior closes WrestleMania six, holding up both belts, you know. But the yeah. ne- very next night we see Jack Tunney, it's like, oh, well, he has to forfeit that belt. Why? Well, so the thing is, he, he was going into it already a champion of one. So he only won oh, right. one. I see. You want, want both somebody, one in the same night. I want night. somebody who has zero <laughs> coming credibility in. come in like a Kurt Angle, smash two matches down, and walks out with both the gold. And maybe win the King of the Ring on the way in the, the same night. Way the fucking yeah. Just take everything. Yeah. Just come somebody, in with nothing and leave with everything. Yeah. Somebody just slam an entire pay per view. Like a Braun Strowman or something. You know how awesome that would be? How much well, it credibility... Makes sense. It's psychology. Yeah. I want it all. Yeah. I don't want just one thing. Yeah. I want it all. Yeah. So then we go backstage to a promo that could be taken way out of context with Kurt Angle. Now, here's what was going on. <laughs> so the WWE knew that, that Cena was getting booed. So they really wanted you to know that Kurt Angle was a heel. They had Kurt Angle say some of the most over-the-top lines ever in the history, probably, of backstage promos. I cannot believe some of the stuff he said. Yes, he said that he wanted the U.S. to lose the Iraq War, which had uh, recently started, I guess, or had been going on for a few years at this point. He's backstage with Davari, by the way, who was his manager, who had nothing to do, you know, do with him, really. <laughs> it's like, it, he had no impact. I don't tonight. even, I don't remember I don't this. remember, and he was gone by WrestleMania, like, that was... I don't know how they even got hooked up. Or how they even broke up. Like, it was just... I don't get it. I don't remember it. He says his favorite country is France. He says all this, by the way. Tonight, he's rocking his actual gold medal from yeah, the Olympics. Because it's the green strap. The the 96 gold medal. Because Albany special to him. This is where he won his first world title. So, he wanted to, I guess, make it Something special. Something special, yeah. Yeah, so... He also says that... He doesn't care much for the black people, Patrick. 
You know what? If I could go back in time and make anyone tap out, it would be Jesus Christ. And uh, I guess he never read uh, the Green Rangers shirts uh, as an MMA fighter. Jesus didn't tap, Patrick. So Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle, by the way, who was very offended at ECW's crucifixion angle a few years later, doesn't mind mentioning that he would like to put Jesus in the ankle lock and make him tap out. But then he says, but then he course corrects and says, you know, I'm saying all this because I can say whatever I want because these people are so stupid because I'm such a great wrestler that it doesn't matter what I say, they're going to cheer for me. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest at this time, Kurt Angle. Kurt, later tonight, you'll participate in your first ever Elimination Chamber match for the WWE title. What's going through your head right now? Well, before I get into that, first of all, I'd like to say that I hope the U.S. loses the war in Iraq. Me too. And uh, while I'm at it, I think the greatest country in the world is France. What do you think? Oui, oui. And, 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 you know, truth be told, I'm not a very big fan of the black people. And, And if I would go back in time, the one person in history I'd like to make tap out would have to be... Jesus. Who do you ever be? Kurt, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? What are you, the point uh, is, I can say anything I want to these idiots, and they'll still cheer for me. Sure, when I first come out, they'll chant, you suck. But after a couple seconds, I got them in the palm of my hands. They give me a standing ovation every time. And why is that? It's like a dog knows when a storm's coming in. Everyone. All these fans know that I am the greatest wrestler in the world. I'm better than Cena. I beat Shawn Michaels and Kane at WrestleMania. And Chris Masters and Carlito aren't even in my league. Not even close. No, I won my very first title right here in Albany. And tonight, I'm going to do it again. Yeah! Hey, Kurt, guess what? You were 100% right tonight because in his match later on in the chamber, he he didn't wrestle like a guy that wanted to displease the fans. He came in like a stick of dynamite. He yeah. was... And they, they loved it. They ate it up. Absolutely. Oh, boy. One of the most famous storylines in the history of the WWE between women's wrestlers is next as crazed fan Mickey James wants to... I love to- this. I love this. Outside of the innuendo between the two of them, the uh, lesbian pollen, as it's called, I love the stalker angle. Yeah. She played it great. She did. And it made sense because Trish, especially in this day and age with social media, there are so many guys that are obsessed, obsessed with female wrestlers and that... Sometimes in our retro wrestling Twitter feed, I'll be scrolling through, and there are Twitter accounts just dedicated to looking at pictures of Alexa Bliss's butt or whatever, and I have to hide them, or I have to be just embarrassed by some of the comments people make because, yeah, they're just obsessed. So this was ahead of its time as far as crazed stalker fan. So, of course... Trish Stratus, one of the most attractive women in the company... Of all time. Yeah, gets... Gets a stalker fan, and lucky for us, it's a good wrestler. A well, she's kind of green in this match, but she would turn out to be one of the best female wrestlers of all time ever in this company. Yeah. And Mickey James, who in 2018 still going strong. Oh my God, I'm Mickey James. I'm Raw's newest diva. 
Diva. Mickey James. Why do I know that name? Mickey James? Yeah, I'm like your biggest fan. I mean, I I've written you like a gazillion times. I mean, I, I idolize you. You look like Trish Stratus. I am. I want to be just like you. Mickey James. This Stratus faction. And Mickey James sacrificed herself for Trish. I am your biggest fan. I'm just so amped to be standing right here beside you. Mickey. Yes. Hold on. Hey. We gotta talk about something. I know what you're thinking. And you don't have to. You do not have to thank me for sacrificing okay. myself for you. Because you are Trish Stratus. And the women's champion, right? Mickey James just pinned Victoria with uh, satisfaction. Well, Trish really owes a debt of gratitude to Mickey James once again. I'm like your biggest fan. I have to talk to you about something. Really? Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's something I want to talk to you about, too. Okay. But first, I have a match against Victoria for the number one contender. Right. Either Victoria or Mickey James will face the WWE Women's Champion at New Year's Revolution. Whoa, what a DDT! Two and three, yes! Whoa, so tornado DDT! means to me, right? Of course, Trish. I mean, seriously. I mean, and I'll do everything. Yeah, I, I, oh, I, I know, but Trish, look up. I'm like your biggest fan. These last few months hanging out with you have been amazing. Wow. Trish. Nice boobs. I idolize you. I love you, Trish. I'm like your biggest fan. Nikki. On Sunday, I'm facing Mickey James. You know, I've been champion for over a year now. I know what I gotta do when I'm facing her. She, uh, the only other time I remember this is when they did, uh, when they did Tori with Sable. All right, yeah, they had, they've done many stalker angles, that, but, but never as good. No, Mickey brought her A game and pulled this off. I mean, I think was it? It made it creepy. I mean, it was like New Year's Revolution last year. You could almost say that that Tori Wilson, Al Wilson, Don Marie, Tori Wilson, you could almost say that was like a stalker angle, and that was just a year ago yeah. on the same show, I think. They've done versions of this, but this by far is the one that stands out that, in everybody's yeah, mind. She brought her A-game, and it really is creepy to watch, especially later on when they're doing the, the, the sit-down with the internet, answering questions, the Q&A thing on, on the WWE. Oh, right, yeah, so... Intermittently through the night, I've lost my notes on this, but they would go backstage. Todd Grisham, his one role on the show tonight was to open the door and let people in to sit in front of a computer and chat it up on WWE.com. So, yeah. uh, but they had a very good segment on there later on that night. Well, actually, Trish is out first as the champion. Not a good sign. Uh, Mickey is out. She has music that sounds a lot like Tony Basil's Mickey, like "Oh, Mickey, you're so fine, you're so yeah. fine," and she still uses this music to this day. Trish offers a handshake, but lets Mickey know she needs to be on her A-game. Mickey comes out preppy with a cartwheel out of a wrist lock, stops to congratulate herself, and Trish slams her down. Then they do some counter-wrestling. Trish counters a Hurricane Rana into a pin attempt for two, which Mickey almost botched here. Uh, did not look very... A Mick Rana, as it was called, or something like that, did not look good here. But, uh... 
Trish recovered well and covered for two. They go to the floor. Mickey opens the ropes for her to get back in, but uh, she gets frustrated. They exchange forearms, and Trish Trish's forearms. She was just smashing oh, Mickey with laying forearms. Them in. Yeah. Trish catches Mickey going up for the stratosphere as Mickey was going to steal all of Trish's finishing moves, which is a handspring head scissors, but Mickey shoves her away to counter. Trish kicks her to the floor, misses a drop kick through the ropes. Mickey oh Mickey goes and worships the women's title. Doesn't want to use it, is actually just kind of ooing and awing over it. She just wants it. Because it's around the waist. Yes, it's of the woman she loves. But she just puts it back down. She gets in the ring. Trish hits her with the Thez press and the punches as she's now stone cold. Trish Stratus all of a sudden. The Stratosphere hits this time. It only gets two. Mickey then hits Stratisfaction. And then just kind of doesn't cover. No. And then when she does, one, two, kick out. Trish misses a Stratisfaction, but then ducks a Mick kick and hits a Chick kick. And gets the three at 7.09. In a match that technically was not a very good match, but I could see a lot of potential in Mickey. They were trying really, really hard, these two. And uh, I thought that for women's wrestling in 2006, this was an exceptional match uh, for the most part. Took leaps and bounds above what we're going to see later on. Oh, yes. That was... uh, This was the height of the women's programs on this card. Maria stands by for an interview with herself, but Gregory Helms, the newly formed Gregory Helms, he's no longer the Hurricane, instead he is generic Greg, who is just a guy in a coat. Uh, this was, boy, this if you talk about just killing a character's momentum, killing a guy's career, taking the gimmick away from him was just Oh yeah, brutal. because Hurricane, everybody loved the Hurricane. Even people that think that of him as a joke, and that's how he gets treated when he comes back for these that's rare true. things. I loved it, because wrestlers are supposed to be superheroes, living superheroes. And he was a superhero. It doesn't yeah. get much more on point than that. And I yeah. liked the Hurricane. Yeah. So for them to change him into generic, I'm a bad guy. You know why I'm a bad guy? Because I wear a coat and sunglasses not a good idea. He had a long run with this character, held the belt for the cruiserweight belt for a long time, but this would be probably nearing the end of his WWE run as they had given up on the cruiserweight division and Gregory Helms. He interrupts. He's going to send Jerry Lawler to the hospital so he can't say puppies during the Divas match later tonight. So there you go. Shelton Benjamin and Mama then walk by the interview area. Mama Benjamin. This was an actress hired to play Shelton's mama, not his actual mama, which was probably a good call because she was very entertaining. However, a character like Shelton Benjamin, we've talked about this before, but does not need this. This is a total roadblock in your career when you are collegiate style, uh, real, you know, real in quotation marks wrestler, when you are team angle, when you're athletic when you're just when you're not a good talker greatest tag team you're not a comedy character this is something like a santino morella should be saddled with not not a shelton benjamin so did shelton absolutely no favors but they walk they walk through the interview area and she chastises him for not eating right 
Then Edge goes to the WWE.com area. He refuses to answer questions, and he says, "Lita, you stay in here. Do it for me. I, I've got, I've got, I've got a plan. I'll, I'll see you later." And he leaves. What, what could he possibly be, be thinking of, Patrick? Mm. Gregory Helms versus Jerry Lawler is next. Oh boy, I don't really have much to say about this match. Um, Jerry Lawler in 2006 should be there to put people over. To get people off the ground, to be a to be a guy that gives you that you can bounce around, that you can do your moves on, that he can get a little comeback, but that he needs to lose. And this is a new character in Gregory Helms that you need to get over as yeah. a bad guy. And uh, well, I don't have much to say about this match, Patrick, other than it's a Jerry Lawler match, so it's a lot of right hands. Uh, he teases the pile driver, which gets a bit of a reaction. He doesn't hit it, though. Pulls the straps down. That gets a bit of a reaction. So King crotches Hurricane off the ropes, hits a fist drop off the second rope, and gets the win in a match that took 9.34 as the crowd was on their hands uh, for this one, other than a couple of Jerry Lawler you know, signature spots, but I don't know what the thinking was here. I don't know that the roster split in this time was not something I would have supported because now we have a limitless roster. When you fire up the video game and you got 200 people to choose from, sure, split the rosters. But when your roster is so thin that you're sending Jerry Lawler out there to win, to win over a guy, you got you got some problems. So I don't really have much to say about uh, the Hurricane versus King match here. The whole impetus of this match was that Gregory Helms was upset that King made fun of him when he was the Hurricane. That was all the explanation. Well, what kills me is they were trying to get this thing off the ground as a new character... But yet they kept referencing to the old character. Right. But at the same point in time, they didn't give it time to change. It was like one week he's Hurricane, the very next week he's just Shane Hell. Hi, I'm Greg now. Yeah, yeah. And so it was it was literally the the craziest thing. And it's not like you can to put him out there and just shorts as well and you see <laughs> you see the giant the green lantern tattoo green lantern tattoo and you're like well fuck that's Gregory Hell you're like that's the hurricane you know it you know it so you had to have covered it up somehow i mean if you're going to try this they they purposely went about it the wrong way it was just a half cooked idea yeah. that they just sent out there yeah and it failed miserably so uh, no fault of Lawler, but like I said, you can't book Lawler to win this match. I'm sorry. just not. There's not a booker on this planet that would have said, Yeah, this is a good idea. <laughs> this is a good idea. This throwaway match, our introduction of our new character. You know, imagine AJ Styles, welcome to the company. Tonight you'll be losing to Jerry Lawler. Thanks, welcome aboard. Yeah. Lita and Trish are back in the WWE.com area, and Mickey... Is still happy, even though she lost the match, Patrick. She's ecstatic because she got to have Trisha's body all over hers. Yes. And this is where I this is the parts of the feud that I'm not such a big fan of is the the, the romance side it of it. It got creepy. It got creepy. Oh uh, yeah. Because she was like really in tune to it. Oh uh, yeah, she was uh, at WrestleMania is the famous where she uh, hits Trish in a certain region and uh, then proceeds to then 
lick her hand. Yeah. So it got it got a little overboard in yeah. that in that sense. But this was a feud they got many many months out of, and yeah. to this day they still reference it. Like at the Women's Royal Rumble, these two had a moment where they they still they're going to be linked for life. This That's is, true. Yeah, it's Lita and Trish, and then Mickey and Trish. I feel like will definitely be linked together. Then you go on and Mickey and and um, Michelle McCool, I think, will always be linked together with Piggy. Oh, yeah, Piggy James, Piggy yeah, James. sadly. Also in this uh, segment, Lita was on her way out and had a stare down with Trish, teasing there. Shelton's mama is in catering, and she wants some real food for her boy. Not these PB&Js. My boy gotta eat something good. Where's some collard greens and just all those other... Very, very racist. Yes. Uh, this was... To me, this was an idea. Okay, so Big Mama's house. Let me see what year that came out. Big Mama's house came out in 2000. Uh, I imagine Vince probably saw it very recently before the introduction of this character. And loved the idea. Loved it. And said, who is my African-American wrestler on the roster? I guess he went alphabetically by last name. He said, Benjamin Dunn. You have mama now. You know, believe it or not, that's probably exactly how he did it. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I, I have no doubt about it. But that's... I bring this up often. Wrestling always a few years behind pop culture. Yes. For whatever reason. Yes. They, we are just always just a few years behind yes. what actually happened. So, also behind times, here is Viscera, the former King Mabel, who after the ministry was dissolved, was S-O-L. Because what do you do with this guy with a blonde mohawk, crazy eyes, he, what do you do with him? He's, Giant he was, love machine. They said, you know what, sexual chocolate Mark Henry, that worked, so surely it'll work for you, pal. And so now he was the love machine, uh, Viscera, Big Daddy V. He comes in, and Mama is bent over. He admires her booty. He says he would like to give her a taste of his smoked meat log and wants a slice of her chocolate pie. She's offended by this, naturally. He also simulated something behind Big Mama while she was bent over. We'll uh, see more of that later. And uh, there you go. Uh, He walks off and she says that, Oh, I'm going to send my boy to get you. And uh, there you go. I love Mama Benjamin. It's a terrible idea, but this woman pulled it off great. She did the absolute best job she could for the job that she was told to do. Yeah. There's no doubt. For the job they were paying her, she came in and did the very best she could possibly pull. And now it did Shelton no favors. And it has... But as far as if you tell me to, this is my role, this is what we want you to do... She did. She did it. Nailed it. Especially for someone who didn't know much about wrestling. She was just a random actor. Right, yeah. Yeah, she had had cameo bits and movies and TV shows and stuff. But, yeah, like, usually sometimes when they bring in actors to play parts, like the the Bailey, This Is Your Life segment, when they bring in the teacher, and they can find some really bad ones. But they, they found a good one here in her. And that's the one positive thing I'll say about their match coming up later between V and Shelton Benjamin is that Mama, Mama did her part. Mama earned five stars for her part yeah. in the match. But up next, 
because he's not in the main event tonight, we have to, Patrick, we have to have a 20-minute Triple H match. We have to. It's law. I believe it's law. It's raw WWE Universe law that we have to have a 20-minute Triple H match. But I think, I mean... He's going against your favorite wrestler. Oh, I know. Gosh. And so I feel like it was credible for the 20 minutes. Just just for you. Just for you. I looked at my timeline and saw the dots between the beginning and end of this match. And a wave of sadness crashed upon my shores. This was... It was brutal. So... The entire Illumination Chamber, by the way, we mentioned before on all these pay-per-views, feuds should intermingle. Everybody Mm -hmm. should kind of want to feud with this guy. Converging storylines. Well, for this Illumination Chamber, it was just qualifying match. It's just, there's going to be a match. Do you want to be in it? You face him. You go, the winner goes on. That's all the feud that was for the Chamber. So Triple H and Big Show had these qualifying matches, and for whatever reason, they both interfered in each other's matches. And Triple H decided to smash Big Show's hand with a hammer, his trusted sledgehammer. So he got the world's biggest cast, which, by the way, didn't have any hand openings, so it looked like a giant boxing glove. This cast glove was now a loaded weapon, is how it was treated in this match. And yeah. And on TV was given to Big Show on his right hand. His his pow- his weapon was taken away from him. Did he actually mess up his hand, or was it gimmick? No, it was it was gimmick. Okay. So naturally, Big Show in Triple H's qualifying match against his tag team partner Kane. Big Show and Kane were a tag team. Oh, I'm glad I missed this era of Monday Night Raw. Uh, so. Triple H uh, got screwed out of his qualifying match by Big Show. So that is why tonight we will have a match between Big Show and Triple H, who was probably furious that he was not in the main event, but needed, demanded, has to have 20 minutes, Patrick, has to. It's me, Triple H. And I guess he maybe knew the plans for Mania as well, so I can't. So this way his critics can't say, you know, he main evented everything between 2002 and 2007 or whatever it was. So this is this is one of those excuses that Hunter can make. Triple H comes out. He tries to avoid the big cast big cast as uh, he wanted the ref to remove it as. Yeah, it was treated like a loaded weapon in shoot. It makes no sense, Patrick, because your hand's still broken. Yeah. You still you've had broken bones, haven't you? No, no, you haven't. Me neither. I have, but I've never actually had to have a cast. I've never had a. It's been like, hey, you broke your nose or something along those lines. Yeah, I I've never had one, but I imagine uh, even with a cast on, it's not a loaded weapon. You, See, I've had friends with casts though, and I remember how hard they were. So I would think that it is to some degree, but also I'm with you smashing it into something and jarring all that inside, you know that shit had to hurt. Right. So anyway, Triple H wants... Once it removed, he doesn't get his wish. Show catches him with a headbutt and does his big, big show chops in the corner. Show whips him over the ropes, hits him with another chop. Show tries to get back in the ring. Hunter knees him to the ground. And then Show misses a swing and cracks his cast up against the ring post. Hunter goes right after the hand and tears the cast off, so his weapon has been taken away from him. 
Sho headbutts him but misses the charge. He, he tries to spear him. Sho is doing a spear at this time. By the way, again, Sho looking in terrible shape here. He's a big guy. Big guy. And uh, everyone does the spear. And uh, Big Sho was going to try <laughs> to incorporate that into his style. He misses it. Uh, the crowd gets into it, though, as Hunter goes after Sho's hand. Sho powers out of a wrist lock, throws Hunter aside, tries to find a way to mount an offense with his left hand. But Hunter ducks a swing. Sho knocks the referee out, so Hunter grabs his sledgehammer, which somehow found its way under the ring yet again. Sho blocks it, and then karate chops the hammer and snaps it in half. A spot that Sting would repeat with a baseball bat many years later. This cast was that strong. Oh, the cast was gone by this point. This was his, I think, just his his left hand. Or maybe his bad hand. I think it was his bad hand. With his bad hand, why not just smash a hammer in half? Now, unfortunately, when you smash a hammer in half, it still leaves half a hammer. Yes. uh, That can still be used against you in a court of law. Show calls for a left-handed choke slam, but guess what? Show's not left-handed. So Hunter smashes him with a piece of the sledgehammer, hits a pedigree, which looks very awkward when it's delivered to the giant Big Show. The ref recovers. One, two, three. 16, 12, but 20 with entrances. Triple H is our daddy, our lord and savior, Triple H. Uh, once again, return the king of kings. Uh, a match that he was a total heel in. He had no reason to win. No reason. He won. Uh, the guy was at a disadvantage with one hand. Uh, it was, you know, any natural storyteller would say that somehow show would eke out a win here. Yeah. No, not in this world. Not no. in, not in our lifetime. And then we crush his, his bad hand again before leaving the ring, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yes, of course. He needs to go ahead and... Uh, Make it a little bit worse. Yes. By the way, the makeup they did on Big Show's hand, it was like bright red. Which, yeah. Which... If it was really broken, it would be black. Black and blue. So that's I don't what, know why they went... That's what I was thinking. They went with red for some reason. It looked like Ronda Rousey's makeup. So Man, she's got to lay off that shit. They've toned it down a little bit. So the first half of this pay-per-view was brought to you by 411 Mania, as I lost my notes, so I used their notes for the first half of this show. But now it's to my notes, so this is my original work. We go backstage, and Chris Masters is, of course, pumping up, as uh, this man was massive. Uh, this was uh, pre-2007, and the uh, the Balco steroid scandal, and uh, I believe Chris Masters would probably not have passed any sort of wellness policy test. As oh, God, no. From the waist up, this man was... A balloon. He looked like a Macy's Day Thanksgiving balloon. Carlito interrupts him. Carlito says, everyone else in the match has been champion, and nobody thinks they'll win. Well, you're correct about that, Carlito. Carlito says, that's not cool. He wants to team up, we can beat everybody, and then we can go one-on-one. And I note here that Carlito's gimmick is almost like a lamer version of Razor Ramon. Although he's more authentic, because Carlito is Puerto Rican. But it's kind of the same thing. Bad apple, bad guy, not much difference. Yeah. But this is when they still believed a little bit in Carlito as uh, they would quickly abandon uh, the bad apple here. But he was still being pushed at this time. And Chris Masters as well. The Master Lock Challenge, which I I have some qualms with, by the way, in the main event and the Master Lock in general. 
and what qualifies as breaking it. Okay, I'll just get into it now. Okay, I, I know that their thing is, oh, he's got to lock his fingers. He's got to lock his fingers, yeah. Okay, that I don't, but if I break it before that, I consider that a break. No. Well, you're wrong, but he's that's fine. He's got to fully lock his fingers. I don't care about that. If, if I can get out of it before that, I broke it. Well, if I'm like this, and you just pull my arms apart, that's one thing. But if I lock my fingers, and you're trying to yank, and you're like... Okay, well, agree to disagree. But I think if you can just get out of it in any way, you broke it. Congrats. <laughs> A million people broke it before it was actually broken. Shelton and his mama are out next. Jerry Lawler has joined the commentary desk. He skipped Triple H's match for some reason, which I thought was weird. Because he took very little damage and. The Gregory Helms match. I guess he just wanted a shower or something. Yeah, a shower or something. So Jerry Lawler has joined the commentary desk. Shelton and his mama want Viscera. Viscera naturally. I mean, it's odd that Viscera was here tonight, having no match, that he was just here. And in his his He had his gear ready to go, his garbage bags that he wrestled in. Uh, He was just ready to go. He was in his robe and pajamas. Sorry, this was pre-garbage bag Viscera. Or post-garbage bag. Then he would be shirtless in ECW a few months later. But he was... uh, He was in his... uh, Mama was out there screaming. She was. She She wanted... My boy's gonna kick your ass. Come on down. Do do I have to get the belt, Shelton? Do I have to get the belt? Do I have to whoop you? Uh, The announcers would give real quiet. She did the announcing on this match, basically. Oh, God. Benjamin takes a spine buster from Viscera. The commentators don't talk over Mama. Shelton hides behind Mama, uses her as a shield, and blasts Viscera with some shots outside of the ring. They get in the ring. Shelton hits a knee lift, starts attacking the big man's legs, hits a top rope shoulder tackle, keeps the big man on his back, works his leg. Shelton's mama wants him to break that leg! Break that leg, boy! Viscero delivers a Samoan drop to Shelton. The crowd is asleep for this match. Shelton's mama then wants him to get the belt. Shelton, do you want my belt? You need to whip that boy, Shelton. Viscero then does the Rick Rude hip shake and, uh... Does something terrible to Shelton's uh, backside that I can't repeat. <laughs> this, yeah, this is very weird. He calls it the Visagra, is his finisher that he wanted to go for. I he, he didn't hit it. Someone in this crowd had a thumbs down sign, which was appropriate, and would have multiple of these for the next match. Shelton's mama hits Vis with the purse right in front of the ref. No problem, because a spin kick puts Vis down, and Shelton gets the win. Like I said, I applaud Shelton's mama for her acting, but Shelton as a character, this would be a huge setback. Uh, it would only last until February, and Shelton's mama would be written off TV. She would have a heart attack, drag an oxygen tank around her, and then be written off for good. But, boy, if if this was 2018, this is one of those times you got to throw up your hands and say... I want to leave. Yeah. I don't want to work here anymore. Yeah. I can go make a lot more money somewhere else and not have this. See, so. and I love this this story, Shelton's mom. I mean, I've told you numerous times. Do you remember that? And you're like, no. No, I don't. And I'm glad I didn't. I mean, she's entertaining. Yes. It's borderline racist and it's borderline offensive. Oh, yeah. But she is good at her job. Especially when she's back there talking about you know, collard greens and watermelon and all that. It's it's very yeah, it's very borderline racist. But she went out there and she gave it her all every fucking night and it was great. It just wasn't meant for Shelton. No. 
Vince previewing his WrestleMania match. That's right. The showstopper, Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 22. He could have had any opponent in the world, which after tonight, I thought, well, this was they're naturally going to do Angle and Shawn again at WrestleMania. Oh, no, no, no. Vinnie Mac would be his opponent. So Vince comes in and teases that program as he says, hey, just want to remind you, uh, no one won uh, the Elimination Chamber from number one. Sean reminds him, hey, well, no one won the Royal Rumble from number one till I did it. No one won Hell in a Cell before I did it. No one's done the things I do. So yeah. I'm pretty much awesome. And uh, get out of here. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. So good for him. What I thought was funny is that Vince, as he's leaving, is... Good luck, kid. <laughs> Sean was like 40 yeah. in 2006. Good luck, kid. Great great job, kid. Uh, Vince just laughs at all of uh, Sean's accomplishments. Oh, yeah, by the way, Sean also mentioned he had the first ladder match at WrestleMania 10, which we disproved a few weeks ago that first ladder match was with Brett at a random house show, but that's, yeah. that's okay. It's uh, WWE changing history on us. Oh boy, time for the match. Okay, so I will admit to you, I watched some of these at my work. And uh, when this match was about to start, Patrick, I had to turn it off because I didn't want anyone to see me watching what was about to happen here. <laughs> it's a Vince Russo tribute match, a bra and panties gauntlet match. It's, it's borderline not work appropriate. Oh, it's 100% not appropriate. It's almost not appropriate to show in my house. <laughs> but I did it. So, Maria Kanellis is out first. Candice Michelle is her opponent. Now, this, yes. how this works, it's a typical gauntlet match, but you just have to rip off everyone's clothes. Instead of pain or submission, you just strip them down to bra and pants. But when you win, you are not able to reapply your shirt or your pants. So, you have to... It's almost like the Million Dollar Challenge on 2K19. you, you got to keep going with what you, you got. You keep your damage as yeah. you go on. So Candice Michelle is out first. Candice rips Maria's shirt off, then Maria follows it up, rips her top off. Candice tries some sort of inverted tarantula, and uh, Maria is able to just rip her pants off, and Candice Michelle is sent to the back. Out next is Tori Wilson. Maria and Tori go for each other's pants at first. Tori lands a nice handspring elbow, but then gets kicked out of the ring. Maria rips Tori's top off, then Tori spears Maria. They roll into the ropes and over the ref, who takes the creepy ref bump with the ladies that are catfighting. Tori didn't like that, wants to beat the ref, so Maria just rips her pants off, and Tori is sent to the back. So she Maria is. is going to run the gauntlet here tonight. She is. Until a real wrestler shows up, which Maria would turn out to be a decent worker eventually. But Victoria, a real wrestler who wore a shirt that summed things up perfectly that said, let's get this over with. She comes out, she slams Maria, hits a standing moonsault, rips her pants off, and we think, oh, well, Victoria has won the match. Oh, no, no, no. Cue the old-timey music, and I'm having flashbacks to Royal Rumble 2000 as Fabulous Moolah and Mae Young come out. And those thumbs-down signs in the crowd, they reappear. Only this time, there are multiples. May comes in the ring. It's not clear that she's an actual competitor in this match or what she's doing here. But what she does want to do is get naked. So they hit that Rick Rude fake stripper music. And she... She starts stripping. And this time stands still as May Young tries to take her clothes off. Almost removes her bra at first as well. 
then wants to take her skirt off and almost removes her granny panties as well. This takes ages. Victoria and the crowd are just staring horrified. Then Moolah, the sneaky heel, holds Victoria as Mae Young tries to rip her shirt off and time once again stood still as these two old ladies could not figure out how to rip this shirt off without taking Victoria's bra off as well. <laughs> and uh, almost had a wardrobe malfunction, but also... Victoria, at a certain point, had to assist and help them disrobe yeah. her. Because this was taking ages. So, there you go. May and Mula then are satisfied with removing her shirt, and they just leave. So, there you go. Uh, Guess who's coming out next? Cos- Diva Search winner Ashley. Yes. You would have to probably... This if this showed up in the DVD board game and they said who is Ashley I would say I don't I don't know you remember Ashley again that you and these divas you know all these divas I don't remember she yes was, I remember these divas she was a diva search winner but anyway she I, comes I at, apologize Ashley you are a listener of our podcast oh I'm sure she is she is she's a good friend. I highly doubt that she listens to anything wrestling related. So anyway, she comes out in a Catholic girl outfit and Catholic schoolgirl outfit and she comes in and just uh Victoria tries the widow's peak. Ashley just rips her pants off. Ding ding ding. Ashley wins the match and then Ashley strips anyway because in this match Patrick everyone is a winner except the female talent involved. So there you well, go. Well yeah. Whatever. I am glad that we have moved on as a company and as wrestling in general. This was... I kind of wanted to go back just a little. I mean, every now and then. (laughs) I think you're alone in that boat. (laughs) Well, all the creeps on Twitter that would say otherwise... Exactly! See? I'm I'm watching out for for the creep fans. Like, there was a women's wrestler who had some private pictures leaked this week again... Which just seems to happen Who's quite that? often. I'll tell you off the air. I don't want to. I don't want to vilify it even more. Okay. But anyway, so but you had all these creeps saying, "Oh, I, def- I, I defend. I stand with what's her name," and then they would name the wrestler. And I'm like, "Whatever, you creep. You're just you're just saying that, and yeah. you're, you're just because you you looked at those pictures. Oh you yeah, abs- God, yeah, you are you're a creep, and yeah. uh, so that's." So, yeah, even though a lot of people uh, will say, oh, I'm glad we moved on or whatever, that at least you, at least you, Patrick, said, yeah, sometimes I, I kind of want this crap back. And, and but, but Because it is entertaining. It's Wrestling is a show. And women, athleticism, but also women are eye candy to a certain degree. Right or wrong? Well, I think... I think the non-wrestling types like Ashley, someone who's a Playboy model, by tra- a cheerleader, can be involved in segments like that. It and, doesn't have to be hyper-sexualized or whatever. And so why not... I mean, I don't see a, a point in not having it too... I'm not saying all the time. Because at this point in time, it was all the time and it was overboard ridiculous. But every now and then... A little bit of attitude and going back to this, I feel like, would do the company good and this the sport. In 2019, I, I just don't... I think there is a time... Like, I think if they had some sort of specialized, like... Like, if they did, like... Uh, like, they used to do those, like, swimsuit DVDs or whatever. If they put a network special up of, like, 
Divas at the Beach or something yeah. like that. That I think that's fine. But as far as bra and penny matches and stuff in front of live crowds and on their t- weekly TV, I, I don't think there's any time no. for that. No. Really. Okay. No, I agree with you as to what you're getting at. That's kind of what I was trying to get at to some point. Yeah, if you can put it in the right context where they don't right. look like they're being humiliated. We're, correct, correct. That's what I was trying to get and at. And they can do it on their own terms as well. Yeah. Uh, I think that's that that's acceptable. Shelton and his mama are now at WWE.com, and he's happy he won. And hey. her, her, his mama pulls out a, a brick in her pocketbook that she just happened to hit Visceral with. Oh, I thought it was a bowling ball earlier is what Jerry Lawler theorized, but... Yeah, I guess it was just a brick. She got a loaded purse. Yeah. A promo recaps the chamber match. It's generic rock music because uh, they dubbed over Disturbed. And uh, instead of promos, so it's just all music. Yeah. And so I had no time for this. Kane is out first. He's tag champs with Big Show. I failed to mention that earlier. He gets locked in his pod. Then the masterpiece is out to the anti-pop. You can hear a pin drop. If you ever wanted a perfect cut of his theme music... Go back to this pay-per-view because nothing. There is nothing. Not booze, not cheers, nothing. And which is the worst possible thing to have in wrestling. He gets locked in his pod. Carlito is out next. He gets a a very tiny reaction. He's put in his pod. I love how he takes the apple into the pod with him, and he's just eating it while he's waiting. That's a good idea. You you never know how long you're going to be in there for. I mean, we know who's last. Kane won the right to be last, but you never know. So you might as well chew on an apple. Uh, Angle and Davari are out next. He gets a decent reaction for a man who just said down with America and he hates black people. He gets a really good reaction. He's putting his pod. Then the champ is here. Adrian Cena with his spinner belt and his football jersey. And it is so weird here in 2006 as he almost does his ECW one night stand entrance here as he is booed. He does not run to the ring. He does not do the salute. He doesn't fling the hat. He doesn't run. He calmly walks to the ring. He's overtaken by the daunting elimination chamber. Yeah. And he does a good job of selling that. But it's just so weird because I'm so used to him always, no matter what, you know, never give up. He runs into everything. So it's weird to see him calmly, scaringly walk to the ring. And then the real star is here, Shawn Michaels, who has pyro and a big pop on the night, but even tonight, just not that big of a pop for Shawn Michaels. I don't think a lot of people had a lot of faith that he was going to walk out, considering he's already won this thing before. So Cena and HBK will start the match. Strange that they start... Uh, With the champion starting, which you would think he would have a champion's advantage and get to come in later, no matter what, even if he wasn't last. But also strange that two baby faces are going to start this match together. A few Cena sucks chance, but it's nothing like it would be later in this match and later on in his career. They start the match pretty slow because, you know, these two, they're going to be in here for a while. They just do some chops and strikes. Sean sells kicks to the midsection on the turnbuckle by flying into the air. One of the, his most ridiculous selling. I love Shawn Michaels. I will praise his selling to no end. But when he gets kicked in the turnbuckle and he goes flying five feet into the air, I just it, it's a little too comical for me. Uh, the timer ticks down and Carlito is next. He didn't have to eat that apple for long. And he comes in with a lot of fire. 
because he, he knew he needed to get his shit in. <laughs> so he goes after Cena to a decent pop, which was surprising. And uh, he tries a running tope con helo to Sean, who was out on the metal floor, but mostly takes it all on his own back. Ouch. Yeah. And then a flatliner to Cena from Carlito for a near fall. He slams Sean off the turnbuckle for a near fall. Cena gets booed for his comeback here. Sean and Cena then flapjack Carlito to slow him down. Cena and Sean team up for a while on Carlito. Then the timer ticks down again. And it's the wrestling machine, Kurt Angle. A, a version of Kurt Angle that would not last very long in WWE, but one that I absolutely loved. Oh, yeah. He came out on fire. Germans to everybody. The crowd loves it. Belly to belly, Sean over the ropes onto the metal. And then Carlito saves his own life because Kurt decided to German him out to the metal floor. I guess they talked about this beforehand. Carlito said, yeah, cool. That's cool. Yeah, I'll take that. Uh, But when he went to throw him, Carlito, I believe crapped his pants because he would have broken his neck had this connected and as he is flying through the air manages to grab the ropes and save his own life as he takes this insane german from oh yeah i'm not taking a german suplex on the steel grating there's no fucking way over the ropes like you have no control here like i'm not i'm not taking it angle catapults sean into the chamber fence which means time to get out the old blade for mr michaels here as he would turn into a bloody mess from just getting catapulted into the steel fence Angle smacks Sean into an empty pod, and a beautiful visual as he smears Sean's blood all over the glass. It's a great shot. Oh, really? Good yeah. good job, Kevin Dunn. Cena finally fires up on Angle, but Angle stops him, pulls the straps down, tries an Olympic slam on Carlito, but Carlito escapes, but ends up in the ankle lock. Unfortunately, the timing of this spot was missed, as... Carlito has to survive the ankle lock, a move that people tap to almost instantly most right. of the time. Hit a little too early, the timer not even started counting yet. He has to go like 25 seconds. <laughs> yeah, he's so. in this thing forever <laughs> as the clock ticks down. And then I thought, well, even when the clock ticks down, and we know that Masters is next because Kane won the right to be last... But I thought, even then, even if Masters comes out, he could just screw him and just let him get tapped out right yeah. there. So this was all wasted. So he had a lot of faith in Chris Masters upholding their agreement. Well, I mean, they, agreement. they had their agreement, you know, yeah. Yes. So Masters does come out and save Carlito from his 30-minute ankle lock. He does. He runs wild on everyone with a power slam to Cena, a press slam to Michaels, tries a master lock on Angle, but Angle slips out, puts him in the ankle lock, Cena tries an FU, but gets rolled into an ankle lock, and uh uh-oh, the champ is in trouble. And to the dismay of the crowd, and to the dismay of me, and psychology, and logic, and everything you know about wrestling, okay? The champion is in peril. We have to beat him in order to have a new champion. It doesn't matter who beats him. Yeah. As long as he's gone, that's that means it. Our odds increase for winning that belt. Exactly. Any elimination doesn't matter, even if it's the champion. When someone is on the verge of elimination, and you, I understood the Masters thing because they had an agreement that was shown on screen. I'll bail you out. Okay, done. I'll buy that. But Shawn Michaels, for absolutely no f- reason 
decides to super kick Kurt Angle and eliminate him, thus saving the world champion John Cena and eliminating the crowd favorite Kurt Angle first. Yes. And taking a lot of heat out of this match. Yes. Instantly. So stupid. I was screaming in my head at the <laughs> at this match. So, the crowd was not happy about this. Carlito's at Carlito and Masters now put their plan into place while Kane is still locked up. They get the upper hand on the faces for a while. Then the timer ticks down and Kane enters the ring, takes out the heels, slings Carlito to the steel, power slams Masters. Kane goes upstairs, tries his diving clothesline. Masters stops him. Kane just shoves him down, hits it anyway. Chokeslam to Sean, who walked into it. Chokeslam to Cena. Chokeslam to Carlito. Masters stops it. Carlito hits a backstabber. Kane does a sit-up spot, but gets a double DDT by the heels. Masters and Carlito both cover Kane and eliminate him for a grand total of three minutes of work from Kane as, hey man, it pays the same, right? Easy night. Easy night of work for Kane, and he is eliminated. So now it is two heels and two faces as Masters and Carlito will take on Cena and Shawn Michaels. Masters vertical suplexes Cena and Carlito grinds HBK's face on the cage. HBK fires up, Atomic drops them both, kips up, clotheslines them to the metal floor. Sean hits his elbow drop to Cena who was down, but he's too hurt to cover. Tunes up the band, smacks Cena with the super kick, but stupidly, Carlito, who sees this happen, instead of going and just pinning John Cena, the champion, goes after Shawn Michaels and does not pin the unconscious John Cena. Another beautiful psychology moment here. Carlito corkscrew neckbreakers, Sean, and the crowd boos as now, uh-oh, it's very apparent what's going to happen. And Carlito eliminates Sean Michaels. And now the crowd knows Super Cena has arrived to take out our two heel opponents. So, five-knuckle shuffle to Carlito. FU gets stopped by Masters, who chucks Cena to the steel. Masters DDT Cena on the steel. Carlito's been flopping around the ring the whole time, selling his attack. They sling Cena into the steel, and he does color, which is rare for Cena to do color. They double suplex John Cena. They they back suplex Cena off the turnbuckle. Master lock to Cena, then Carlito. <sighs> Once again, Cena in the master lock, which no one has ever broken. Carlito decides that moment, you know what? I'm going to break my agreement with Chris Masters. Low blows Chris Masters like a dummy, rolls him up, one, two, three, stands up to celebrate, and immediately gets rolled up by Cena. Boo! John Cena escapes to the delight of zero people in this crowd as, once again, Patrick, the champion is about to be eliminated. You have an agreement with this guy. He's already saved you once. He's shown no signs of turning on you. You two are both losers. No one counts you in in this match. Right. And then you prove them all right by turning into a moron at the end of the match. And Cena escapes. I thought that this match was actually pretty good, though. They, for what they had to work with. Yes, for the talent that was involved in the match. It wasn't the best Elimination Chamber match by far. There have been better. There wasn't any insane spots. None of these guys were super high flyers doing sh- stuff off the top Crazy of the shit. pods yeah. and... Uh, all that. Goldberg wasn't spearing anyone through a pod, so there weren't a lot of memorable spots. But what was memorable, Patrick, is what happened next. As No Chance in Hell hits. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 
No one leave. <laughs> this is night still, is not over. <laughs> there is still one more match, as we will have... Raise the cage! Yeah. I love this. If they're going to do it, just say, whoa, 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 no one leave, raise the cage, Edge's music hits. John Cena! How does John Cena still have the presence of mind to pull that off? Carlito outsmarted himself. Oh my gosh! Uh-oh. Don't go anywhere. Nobody goes anywhere. This night is not over. Raise the cage. What does he mean? Raise the elimination chamber? What What do you mean? Raise the cage, I said. Look at the WWE champion. The reason this night is not over will become apparent in a moment. First of all, I'd like to congratulate John Cena in retaining the WWE championship. I don't know how sincere that is. Maybe about as sincere as the good luck to Shawn Michaels. Therefore, there's one more match to happen here tonight. And this individual is cashing in his money and the bank privilege that he earned at WrestleMania. The no. WWE Championship match will take place right here, right now. Oh my. John Cena defends against Edge. No. No, Vince, Vince has to explain. spells every- the whole fucking thing. And this out. also, this also gives Cena a bit of a chance to recover. Cause he's, I mean, he's a bloody mess, but yeah. he's like sitting up listening to Vince explain to him in great detail what's about to occur. Yeah. Raise the cage. Yeah, you see, there's one more match tonight, and that is because the money in the bank holder, Edge, has decided to cash... Yeah, like I said, this explanation goes on and on. On and on. He will be cashing in his money in the bank opportunity, and the match will take place right now. And finally, the Edge music hits, and here comes Edge, who had been recovering from a torn pec, so, like... Earlier in the night, in the first match, I noticed that Edge kind of not quite in shape, not in the super jacked mode we would come to know from Edge, and that was because he was dealing with an injury, but so Edge comes out, which this was the first ever cash-in we're about to witness, and no one knew when that Money in the Bank thing happened that this could be a way that it was done. Everyone had just assumed you announce it in advance that I'll see you Thursday or I'll see you on Monday and that's how you do it. No one thought this is how you could do this. Yeah. So the cage raises, Edge's music hits and he comes in fired up. Cena has to make it to his feet before the bell rings something that they go back and forth whether you have to All do this. All the time. Uh, but the, the ref does allow Cena to make it back to his feet. Ding, ding, ding. Edge just decks Cena immediately. Gets a near fall, tries again for a near fall, and doesn't get it, so he calls for the spear. Edge hits the spear. One, two, no, this is Superman, Cena kicks out. So immediately, I think, well, it's pretty sad, but he's going to fail. (laughs) He's going, the first Money in the Bank holder is going to blow this immediately. But all Edge does is go back to the corner, hit another spear, 
and this does the trick. One, two, three. The crowd popped huge for this because, like I said, the title hadn't changed since WrestleMania. Uh, they hated Cena. They wanted anything different. Even though Edge wasn't super over, he had become much more over later. In fact, he was pretty much hated for the whole Matt Hardy thing and yeah. would would use that heat to turn into a great heel villain. But wins the title. The crowd goes nuts. He celebrates with Lita. And then Jerry Lawler says a line that will haunt me for a while because he says it not in his Jerry Lawler comedic voice, but... He says the following, Patrick, behind every successful man is a slut. To the victor go the spoils, and as they say, behind every successful man, there's a slut. <laughs> That's what he says about Edge and Lita standing in the ring. Which, by the way, she did nothing to interfere in this match. She was just an observer. Do you think that is true in any way, shape, form, or fashion? Uh, no, no, I don't okay. think Jerry Lawler's... Uh, a man that's been divorced as uh, many times. I can see where his bitterness and his anger may come from, um, but I don't agree with that statement. But this, uh, so this title reign would last a whole three weeks yeah. as uh, Cena would get it back at Rumble and then go on to Mania. But the three is weeks this the is this the the infamous uh, the live yes. Yes. Tomorrow night on Raw would be the live... The live... Uh, show. Yeah. The live uh, adulting yes. show. Yes, yes. Some stuff would happen. Well, that's what they teased anyway. But it was his celebration. Oh, some stuff happened. We, well, not With what Lita. was advertised. With Lita. Not quite what was advertised. But anyway, it was... It was the beginning of a great year for edge yes. really his his year his breakout year he uh, was he was turning from being mid card and i mean he had been in the company at this point for like uh he came Over in 98 years. so eight years eight years okay eight years at least on the main roster so uh a very long journey culminates yeah. here but then he would get the belt back later on after the whole rvd incident and uh would be the rated R superstar, change the spinner belt logo to the R symbol, have some great matches with Cena in Boston uh, and in his own hometown of Toronto. Uh, they they had a great feud. That was one of those rare Cena feuds during this time that, I mean... It clicked. Yeah, they, they really did work well together. Yeah. And uh, would become, yeah, a main eventer, a Hall of Famer, Edge, yeah. who I don't think a lot of people would have pegged for greatness and uh especially his indie name uh sexton hardcastle was uh destined for greatness who knew it that's a that's a great name so and and also 2006 saw uh kurt angle leave for tna uh christian left for tna so a lot of his uh running mates were gone yeah and so edge was able to find his own way and uh turn into uh the great wrestler that we know and love so, this pay-per-view overall, I did not like a lot of it. There was uh, the Shelton Benjamin thing I would have cut. I would have cut uh, Gregory Helms and Lawler. But they needed to fill time, so I understand why they did uh, what they did. And the Gauntlet Divas thing, again, that's to fill time. Uh, so, whatever. Triple H and Big Show did not need 20 minutes. I think they could have given Edge and Flair more time and had Edge actually, like I said, win both belts. Psychology. Yeah, it was a great night for Edge. It could have been even better. 
He could have shown up on Raw with both belts. Which would have explained even more of what's going to happen tomorrow night. Yeah, exactly. So, to me, this is really a one-match show, and the post-match is something that is very famous, because I haven't seen this show, but I have seen this cash-in before, and the the, the Vince coming out to announce it and stuff. On our rating scale, Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez. It's a new year. It's a New Year's Revolution, 2006. Where do you plant this one? Trish and Mickey was pretty good. We'll go with Edge. He won. I mean, but also, he's a tall guy, and this this was a, I consider this pretty decent pay per view. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a. I'm gonna go with a Shelton Benjamin's mama because while she's not tall. Uh, she is very wide. There's a lot. There's a lot to her, yes. and she's very entertaining at times. Yes. Is she good? Not too sure that she's good, but she is entertaining. Yes. And that's what this show was was Shelton Benjamin's mama. So Patrick, that was my pick for last week. Where are we going next week in the retro wrestling podcast? Well, it was referenced for um, earlier tonight on our pay per view. As well as the Royal Rumble is coming up. It is. We're still a few weeks away, though. Uh, but it is coming up. It's going to be outside for the very first time, if I'm not mistaken. Where are they having it this year? They are having it in Phoenix. So it's it can be. It can uh, be an outdoor. It can be an outdoor Rumble this year because Chase Field has a retractable roof. Now, whether the weather will hold up, we'll, we'll see. But, we'll yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting. That's cool. Yeah, that, I feel like that's kind of cool. And so, as a nod to our pay-per-view this week, and as a nod to the Rumble coming up later on this month, uh, I feel like, let's go back. Let's go back to the Royal Rumble, 1995. And can really the boyhood dream start right here as he would be entering number one, Shawn Michaels? Well, yes. Uh, yes. Royal Rumble 1995, uh, Shawn Michaels, yes, he would be entering number one. Can he go the distance? Can he win? And then when he got to WrestleMania, Patrick, we've already reviewed that WrestleMania. Would the boyhood dream come true against Diesel, his long-time running mate? Yes. Would he be able to capitalize with the help of Pamela Anderson, of course, at his side? And Jenny McCarthy. And Jenny McCarthy. They were both there, yes. Would he be able to overcome Diesel at WrestleMania? Well, we've already reviewed that, so you can go back and hear. But uh, this was, yes, the start of the main event push, so to speak, for Shawn Michaels, though he had been, he had had world title matches before 95, he had one with Brett, uh, he had been in the mix, but he had never been the guy. If I'm not mistaken, this Rumble also has a surprise NWA entrance in Dick Murdoch. Strange. A very unique, Every- weird situation but yes and and he has a very lucrative run in the rumble as well he goes right about 30 minutes so you can go back to a lot of these rumbles from the 90s and just find very strange entrance weird yeah weird entries just out of nowhere just to fill the roster yes yeah finding 30 healthy bodies at a time can be it can be difficult yeah it can't be 
Well, that'll do it for this week. Uh, if you like what you hear, go to RetroWrestlingPodcast.com or go to PowerSlam.tv. Use promo code RetroWrestling. Get a month for free. I'm Intern Alex. I'm the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, R.I.P. Mean Gene. Yes. My closing line's a clothesline. And bingo. Bingo. A dear friend of mine whose name is synonymous with wrestling. The smiling, mean Gene Okerlund. Right now I'm talking to you. I'm looking into your eyes. Right now I'm trying to show you. And we're gonna be alright. Are you ready, mean Gene? Mean Gene Okerlund. Mean! Woo! It looks like a top coat. I can't believe it. If I could buy a golf game, I'd be a scratch golfer, but that just doesn't happen. Put that cigarette out. I'm not about to lay down on my back and let someone cover me. I thank you very much. <laughs> You've already given me my haircut. Gene, I want you to look me right square in the eye. Which and one? I'm, I'm going to be a nice guy. I'm not going to insult you. Nice. <laughs> You know something mean, Gene. You know something mean, Gene. Mean, Gene. Mean, Gene. They'll beat you up. Halfway around the lake. Come on, Gino. Hulkamania never would have gotten as big as it did without Mean Gene Oakland. This is a real living legend. Is that my love? It's Genomania. In those no Jungle Gene Okerlund. In the Garden of Tranquility. Guys, are you sure we're in the right place? Male or female? Um, I didn't check. Oh, neither did I. They're half monkey and half weasel. Heathen! Wait a minute, Heathen. What's going on here? Get out of there! (laughs) We're going to get along great. For some reason, I don't quite buy that. Are you calling me a liar? The interviews were great. And uh, they had the best with Gene Okerlund. We just don't make mistakes. Mr. Baseball Bob, uh, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> As you know, the ultimate warrior. Well, yeah, are we? Guys in the back room like to play games out <laughs> here. I'm getting dizzy. It's not Jim, it's Dean! <laughs> this is the vault for the family jewels. <laughs> All right. And nobody talks turkey better than Gene Okerlund. I know you are, but what am I? Welcome to a place where memories come to life. Just the greatest interview guy in the business. Mean Gene, my favorite friend. Great guy. I'm ready for a beer and a bratwurst. That's Mean Gene for you. I thought we were off the air.
Wrestling has got it's been everything to me. And it turned out to be a great time. It's a good life. If one day I'm called up to the big house, if I'm called, they'll have a funeral, I want you to bury me face down. And then all of my critics can kiss my ass. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv.